Welcome to another episode of the Home Class Movie Chat. This week, we've, we are back after a very, very long hiatus, I should say. But um, yeah, we're, we're rocketing through now to try and get back on track. And as usual, we have our awesome host, Kat. Hello. It's a long time to, between drinks, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It definitely <laughs> has been. But uh, we are going to try to get back on track. But this week, we are going to start off with a rather interesting sort of movie um one that actually was a little bit upsetting because they didn't stick with the uh the whole premise of the original movie but we'll get to that we'll get to this one so this one is if i remember correctly is 1982 I, I think i think that was the the year that this movie was bought out it was made in 82 set in 74 and released in 83 in australia yeah so this is the 1982 horror indie film the amityville 2 the possession Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, yes, we actually decided, uh, I, I, I don't know why I decided to do this movie. I just, I, I've seen this movie so many times and it's really upsetting to the point that I realised that it's not as good as what I originally thought. Um, I thought this movie, when I first saw it, was absolutely terrifying. Now I see this movie and go, wow, there are glaring facts that are just, they just don't make sense. Um, they're just not in line with things that I know about the Amityville Horror. And it's rather interesting just how bad this movie can be. But <sighs> anyway, it's we are going to be reviewing the 1982 Amityville to the Possession. First of all, before we get started on this movie, what did, I mean, you'd never seen this one, had you? No, I hadn't. Um, I've seen the original Amityville, I think, two or three times now, including when we did it for the podcast. But I didn't even know that this one had been made until you told me about it a, a few weeks ago. So now what was your first thought about that? I mean, what did you think about the movie? I Well, when you first told me about it, I was actually really excited because I was interested in learning more about how uh, Ronald DeFeo came to do what he did and, and all this stuff. But to be honest with you, and, and I realized that Ronald DeFeo was alive and in prison at the time. Um, you're not allowed to make in America, you're not allowed to make profit off of your crimes. But if somebody else had taken your story and was doing stuff with it, I, you know, I'm sure there could have been cases made and lawsuits made to actually get him income from his story. Yeah. And so I know that they changed a lot of things about it, including the names of the characters. They cut out one of the brothers uh, and, and a few other things so that it wasn't immediately, it wasn't absolutely recognizable as the DeFeo family, even though you everybody knew it was their story. Yeah. I mean, Demiano Demiani, the director, actually had to put a disclaimer on the bottom of the um, poster that said there is, there is no um, tying back to the Lutz family because apparently when um, George Lutz found out that they were going to be doing number two, he wanted a, a certain, he wanted the story told a certain way. But Demiani decided that, no, no, I want it this way. And that's when George Lutz decided to sue Demiani. It had nothing uh, to do with Lutz. It was before they moved in. I know, but because they were, they were making it in, in the sort of like the same genre as what had happened in the house, Lutz decided that he was going to go and sue Demiani. Yeah. 
the suing obviously did not work, but so Demiani had to legally put a disclaimer there to state that there is no affiliation between this story and the Lutz family. And that's why they could never use the, the word Lutz at all, which, I mean, which would make sense because this this family moved in before the Lutz family. Right. Well, it, in, in fact, in, it, as they say, according to an interview with George Lutz, and you can find this on the website horror.com, Lutz's 28 days in the real life house provided the base for the original Amityville horror film in 1979. Lutz wanted the sequel to be based on John Jones's book, The Amityville Horror Part Two, but producer Dino De Laurentiis, um, in conjunction with the American International Pictures, made the sequel based on Hans Holzer's book, Murder in Amityville. Lutz sued Dino De Laurentiis, and he was unsuccessful. They did manage to force them to force them to out a disclaimer on the posters that said this film has no affiliation with George and Kathy Lutz. Yeah. And I mean that that I, I mean that makes sense for sure because you know I mean as you said you know at, at this stage when um, DeFeo got wind of, of the fact that they were making a movie about what had actually happened he immediately you know contacted his lawyer and said okay so this is what I want I want you know royalties and I want some some you know some money from this and obviously as you said they can't profit from that but um, you know I mean that they had to I mean I don't I don't know I mean this is why I said. I was really excited to see. I mean, I'd seen this movie so many times before growing up. And I thought for, for horror, for horror's sake and for jump scares and stuff like that, it was awesome. Now when I'm looking back on it after really sitting and watching this movie, um, uh, there is just uh, something. Okay. It, just, it just doesn't tie in correctly. No, it well, for one thing, the story just doesn't flow and make sense. There's a lot of inconsistencies between because this is supposed to be a prequel to the original Amityville horror. Yeah. And one of the, one of the, the freakish things in the Amityville horror was when Kathy Lutz was looking through a stack of old newspaper clippings and she saw how her husband had such a, a resemblance to Ronald DeFeo. It was creepy, but but the the Ronald DeFeo character in the Amityville Two was this clean cut guy who looked absolutely nothing like George Lutz. Yeah, and apparently, you know, the way it was said is that they'd been living in the house for nine years before the the murders actually occurred. But in this movie, it seemed like it, they had moved in within you know ten days. Mm -hmm. they, there was Ronald, you know, killing everyone. But you know, I mean, and look, the thing is that it, I mean, it was re released on. 24th of September, um, 1982, the running time is 102 minutes, but you will, at some stage, you'll sit there and go, okay, so we've gone from this. It's almost like two different stories because they did cut out in the movie that we saw, they cut out some, some of the trial where you actually see them trying to convince the judge that it's his demonic possession. Yeah. Also, they also do cut out the fact of how, um, in this movie, DeFeo was taken out of the, the hospital um, none of this none of this actually happened, which is really upsetting because it's it's almost like you can take the first part of this movie and loosely sit there and watch kind of what had actually happened. Yeah. The second and the third acts of this movie don't make sense and they never took place anyway. Well, you know? that and there were so many anachronisms in this film that it just, I mean, okay, a lot of people, myself included, never would notice that a lot of the car makes and models were post 1974. Yeah. Neither would I, you know, like the priest car was a 77. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But there were a few things like 
Sonny had a poster, Sonny being the Ronald DeFeo character, had a poster in his room of Rocky, which came out in 1976. Yeah, and you know, that was not but, possible. And my personal favorite is the fact that the Walkman didn't come out until like 1979. And yet he had a, he had, and yet he, he was listening to a Walkman. Yeah, see, that's, yeah. You know, Nobody- so, so they, they, the, um, the people who are doing the research for the framing of this film, they either didn't care, they didn't pay anyone to do it, or they were just crap. Yeah, you know, because there were also inconsistencies with things like the exorcism and the confessional, and you know, and we can get into that a little bit later. Yeah, we're going to. So the budget was five million dollars, and it actually took twelve point five million at the box office. So actually, it did recoup some uh, quite a lot of money back. So I mean, that was really good. But look, before we get started, we always love to listen to the trailer. So before we get really into this movie, I think we should listen to the trailer. Okay, so yeah, that, that sort of trailer, it, it, it paints this movie as being like a really very, very intense, you know, uh, movie. And look, it, for the most part, it really is. I mean, there is a lot of parts of this movie you sit there and go, holy crap, you know. Um, and, it, you know, it does, it does make you uh, rather a bit nervous when you're watching this movie. But unfortunately, if you watch this movie, you really have to go into it with a huge amount of skepticism because... Look, Ronald DeFeo, and I, I know a lot about this case. I don't know why I do, but I do. It's, it's useless information that if I'm ever in a Turkish prison <laughs> and they say, you know, you can get out of jail if you just know something about the Amityville horror, I'm out, baby. That's no dramas at all. Um, but, you know, in this movie, it's it's almost like you've got to go in with a huge amount of scepticism because Ronald DeFeo really changed his story a number of times when he was in prison. He actually did die in prison, um, which, you know, I mean, he was serving. If I look at it just quickly before we really get into it. Um, so he was actually convicted of six counts of second degree murder. He received six life sentences plus 25 years. So that's, that's not bad. But um, he actually died on, wow, he actually only just recently died, 12th of March. Oh, if we had done this, if we had done this podcast yesterday, it would be actually one year to the day that he died. Really? Yeah, he died on March the twelfth, twenty twenty-one. Wow! At, at the Albany Medical Center, and the official cause of death has not been publicly released, and he died at sixty-nine years of age. Um, the thing is with with Ronald DeFeo is that he has changed his story when he was incarcerated so many times. It was first he said that it was. Um, uh, a gangster, a, um, a mafia hitman that came to the house and tied him up and watched, uh, made him watch um, his entire family get executed. Then he changed the story to, oh, no, it was my, my sister Dawn that had killed the family and I wrestled the gun out of her hand and shot her. And then it was like, okay, fair enough, and then it was the voices. Now, in, in two of those stories, the one that he had said about the fact that it was a mafia hitman the FBI actually tracked this hitman down. I don't know. I don't know why they didn't arrest him, and found out that he was in. He was nowhere near Long Island when this this whole thing went down. He but actually how had would no Sonny alibi. know who the hitman was? No, no. This is this is Ronald DeFeo. No, th- but that's what I mean. How would yeah, Ronald so, DeFeo know who the hitman was? Well, because apparently his father had um, dealings with uh, mafia with regards to his automotive business. Yeah. And this is the whole thing that he was saying that, oh, well, you know, it was this mafia hitman. 
that um, my father owed money to one of the bosses. He didn't get his money. So the boss sent the mafia hitman to basically get the money back, didn't work. And of course, then he executed his whole family with watching and having Ronald watch it. As I said, the FBI found out that this guy was nowhere near Long Island when this whole thing was going down. But at, at, at some stage, the FBI had actually put him in witness protection because they were so concerned that this mafia hitman was actually coming out to kill Ronald. So that whole thing, you know, sort of like went dead in the water. The second one that he said was, oh, I, my, my sister Dawn was the one that killed the family. And I, and I, you know, I basically found out, you know, came across this situation and wrestled the gun out of her hand. And unfortunately I shot her and killed her. Well, that sort of thing didn't hold water because with regards to the way that the bodies were positioned and every member of the household was facing down, like on their stomach and they were executed. So if, Ronald found Dawn had actually shot and killed the family and actually had killed, you know, supposedly killed her. Well, then why was there blood splatter in the bedroom, in her bedroom and in her bed, rather than being where he actually shot her? Did right. he actually make her go back to bed, lay on her stomach and then kill her? Right. Unlikely. So there are so many, so you can't really pinpoint exactly what story it was that he was actually driving to. I mean, he was also a known drug addict. You know, I mean, he, he had a fair amount of, of um, drugs in his system. So, you know, I, I don't know. And then you've got the situation that after his family was killed, he basically got dressed, went to work, and then went to a um, a bar down the road. Was And he, he said to the, the people in the bar that he'd been trying to call them all day, hadn't got any responses from the family, went home and then apparently found this grisly scene, went back to the bar and got three or four people to accompany him back to the house. So it was almost like... He needed witnesses to see that this thing had happened. So, yeah, the story you know, was changed so many times with him. So we will never really know. Well, actually, we never will know um, exactly what the whole story was. But this leads us into what actually happened in this movie. So this movie was actually is a loose prequel of the Amityville Horror. It's set at 112 Ocean Avenue and featuring a fictional Montelli family, loosely based on the DeFeo family. The cast includes Burt Young from Rocky as Paulie. Um, oh, man, I wanted to tell that one. Oh, I'm sorry. You can tell it. But, <laughs> but did, you of... know, did you know that Burt Young's father died early on in the filming? No, I didn't. Yeah. And apparently this is one of his rarer, darker roles as he plays an abusive and sadistic father and husband. And this is the whole thing is like you see this movie and you see this, this guy and the first thing you think is, oh, my God, it's Paulie from Rocky. And then yeah, you that find... was exactly what I said. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, it's Paulie. <laughs> but then you see this guy and it's like, hang on a minute, this is the father? I was going to ask you, um, do you know if Ronald DeFeo's father really was a right bastard like the kid portrayed by by Polly, by Burt yeah. Young? Yeah, apparently he was. Yeah. He was very abusive to his family. Um, and, apo not, and apologies to Burt Young, but you will always be Polly to me no matter what else you do. Yeah, I don't care. Whatever whatever he does, he'll always be Polly to everybody. So if no, I call him Polly, I don't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> So like I just will, did. <laughs> nobody will ever see um, him as anything else but Paulie. Well, he was you know? so good as Polly. Yeah, I know. Um, but this is why I see this movie and go, really? He's yeah. the father? Like, he's supposed but, to be the main person? But that being said, he did an exceptional job portraying that character. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he and, really did. Yeah. You, you felt it that he was this absolute bastard that was really 
um he, he was such a horrible person in this movie and it's like yeah wow you know but funny enough just a little bit of a side note okay and this is going to be really really interesting for me to tell you this okay so they've got an updated movie called the amityville murders right it's supposedly and, I, and i've got it we've seen it it's a little bit of a Yes, we have, or I've seen it. I don't know whether you've seen it. I haven't. I didn't even know it existed until about 20 minutes ago. Okay. Well, anyway, I've got it. And a little bit of a spoiler, okay, but the daughter in Amityville 2 becomes the mother in in Amityville Murders and Paulie becomes the grandfather. Oh, okay. If that one doesn't, doesn't basically, doesn't, if that doesn't mess you up, nothing will. He actually reprises his role as the Montelli family, but the daughter becomes the mother and he becomes the well, grandfather. That, to- that totally makes sense, actually. Yeah, but it's like, wow, okay. But, uh, you know, it's, yeah. We're, yeah, we're going to get into we this should, movie we anyway. We watch and do that one too. Yeah. So the Montelli family, an, an, an Italian-American family formed by Anthony Montelli and his wife Dolores, move into the house of their dreams with their children, Sonny, Patricia, Mark, and Janice, or Jan. Things go well at first, but everything changes after discovering a tunnel in the basement leading into the house from an unknown place. So let's we'll start off this movie. So you see the massive lens flare of the house again. And now the, the whole thing is that they always portray this house as being on a block by itself with nobody around. But it, the actual house is basically slap bang up against the next door neighbors. Actually, they did like an aerial shot in the beginning of this film, and you could see that there were neighbors fairly close by. Yeah, but not as close as what it should be. Hey, uh, uh, while we're while we're stopped though, did you know that the director Damiano Damiani um, actually spoke very little? It was a his American directorial debut on this film. Yeah. And B, he actually spoke very little English, and there had to be an interpreter on set at all times. Yeah, that makes sense. He was Italian, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense because he completely screwed up and <laughs> screwed up the movie. Yeah, but exactly. I, but I will actually say just as a quick, very quick side note that they've actually changed the address to, from 112 Ocean Avenue. They've actually changed the address of the house. Yeah. I don't know why. People could still drive past there and see yeah. the house. One thing that the one of the owners did do is when they first got the house, they changed the um, windows on the top floor of the house. So instead of these ominous looking eyes have changed it to square um square um, that was probably smart square windows but everyone knows where the house is i mean but while we're talking about that tunnel in the basement a they it's they never really tell you why they're telling you about it no this is one thing that I, i find interesting is that first of all we get to see that you know you've got um you know the mum and daughter they arrive at the house and they're going to start singing you know it's ever so humble there's no place like home and then of course the father had arrived as well, and the father was, was like, you know, where's Sonny? And, of course, they're like, oh, well, Sonny's, Sonny's just down the road. He's, he's coming. You know? And, of course, then, you know, Sonny pulls up in the sports car and goes, oh, Dad, the new car's fantastic. And basically, you know, this is when the father becomes like this real arsehole and goes, why didn't you back your mother up? And he's, he's like, well, she knows the way. And he goes, hey, you're not too old for a whooping, you know. And he's like, yeah, I, I know that. I, you've, you've proven that to me. And, of course, he's like, I just wanted to stop by for a pack of cigarettes. And, go, and of course, the father is a real dick at this stage, you know, saying, oh, you know, you, be, you think you're a man smoking cigarettes, you're growing some fuzz on your hair, you know, learn to take some orders. And he goes, you know, yes. And he goes, what was that? And he goes, yes, sir. And so he's, he's really got this. The father is really running this house like a, um, 
like a Gestapo. He's he's a real you know authoritarian. Yeah. But I find it interesting now. If you went into the the kitchen and you turned the water on, and there was blood coming out of the tap, what would you say? Or out of the yeah, what would you say? Ew. Yeah, would you sit there and go, oh, that's dirty water? I mean, that was that was clearly blood. Well, no, it was a, a really dark brown, dark reddish brown, so it wasn't clear if it exactly what it was. I mean, it could have been rust. It could have been, you know, because it wasn't like you know a bright red blood blood kind of color it was a dark rust uh kind yeah, of reddish changed, brown yeah but it changed sort of like color when the water started to clear out of the the pipe so you could actually see that it was sort of like a blood color yeah it, i mean i know that that's what they were going for but if it's an older house which it, it kind of is um and if the pipes hadn't been used in a while it is it wouldn't be uncommon to have like a little bit of rust buildup uh, so if I if I ever move into another house and turn the water on and see blood, I'm staying in a hotel. That's all there is to it. I'm out of there. You know, and then you know, but but the fact is it cleared within 30 seconds. So I wouldn't be th- I mean it'd be like ew, but I wouldn't be that concerned about it. Yeah. Now when they um I mean when they went through the house, they found that the the a lot of the windows had been nailed shut. Now I don't know whether that was purely because the maybe the windows were going up and down, or maybe it was just for security reasons. I mean Okay, in a normal house, that would be considered like a security measure. Yeah. But usually there but there are other ways to do it that are easier so that you can get the windows open when you want them opened. Um, but knowing what house this is and this family experience, whatever entity is there throwing the windows up and down and keeping them open, that's most likely that whoever lived there before had that experience and nailed them shut so that the entity couldn't open them. Yeah. Now, when they went down into the basement, when she was um, down in the basement, this is the mother we're talking about now, and the move, uh, moving man comes down with his uh, with her husband's guns and she goes, I just put it into, into the closet. Now, when they found that that extra room in the basement, would that have been just like, because I, I, we, we don't have basements here in Australia. Mm-hmm. So I'm just talking about the fact that I've, I've only ever seen one basement in America when I, lived, when I lived there. Now, would that be like a crawl space to go under your house, maybe if there's some work that needs to be done on your pipes or um, hot water system or something? If it's a crawl space under the house, usually that, okay, that usually houses that have crawl spaces like that don't have basements. Okay. So this so, was this was just an extra room. But, of course, when the guy goes in there, because, you know, he says, would you like me to check this out for you? And she's like, oh, yes, yes, thanks. He goes in there and there is mud and shit and flies and maggots and crap. Yeah, that's going. not normal. So it's like, okay, and he said, oh, you know, you've got a real problem here, lady. It seems like a, a burst sewer line or something. Um, now, yeah, and, and I love the fact that nothing is done about it after that fact. Yeah, because he comes out and he's cut, and he, she says, oh, my God, what's that on your shirt? And he goes, shit, uh, excuse me, ma'am. And then he goes, then she goes, um, okay, well, here's, here's a towel. Um, why don't you go and wash up upstairs? And he goes, okay, bye. And, just and then that's the end of it. Yeah, you see him walk away and then that's it. I mean, did he go out and walk, you know, walk through the house, get, get himself washed up and leave? I mean, he didn't tell anyone. Right. And they didn't call somebody to, to, to look at and repair whatever the issue was. They just kind of said, oh, well, we'll just, you know, close the little flap down and forget about it. Yeah. So this is why I'm like, oh, okay. And then, of course, the next, and the next scene we see is that the mother's downstairs and she's, you know, folding up some sheets. And you see from behind her the, um, the little door go up. And, of course, now the cameraman, 
where we're supposed to believe it's an entity, now comes right up, basically right up to the back of her, and um, she like she just like stops in you know mid. You know how you got that feeling that someone is standing behind you. You just like stop what you're doing. You just like freeze in the spot. Oh yeah. And, and she turns around and looks, and of course there's nobody behind her. And then you get this huge gust of wind across her arm, and she screams. And um, you know she's backing up towards the stairs, and then of course here comes dumb old Sunny. Which is it was which is supposed to be Ronald DeFeo, but we're going to go with Sonny because that's his the character's name. And he comes downstairs and he goes and you know he knocks into his mother and the, the mother like almost jumps out of her skin and she goes, "Oh, someone touched me." And he goes, "What?" And she he she goes, "Someone touched me." And he goes, "What? Where?" And he goes, "She said here now." And he goes, "You actually felt someone touch you?" And she goes, "Oh, it felt, felt like fingers on my arm." And then he's like, "Oh, it must be just your imagination." And kisses you know kisses her lovingly. And walks upstairs and the mother is like, yeah, I guess it probably was. But you know for a fact that if you feel something brush against your arm and it feels like fingers and there's nobody around, there's a good chance it might be fingers. Well, did, did he get slime on him? No. No, no, no. Was that that later. Was... Slime? Okay. There, there is a trivia point that says when Sonny enters the basement, slime drips from the ceiling onto him. Oh, that's when he goes downstairs when the whole thing is going to start happening. When he goes downstairs to grab his father's gun, there's a there's a bit oh, of that's time right. The drips but, from. The but spirit. ironically, when he leaves, his shirt is immaculately clean. Yeah, yeah. I've there, there are some. I've got some movies coming up that are really. I, I love them, but now I'm shaking my head because I've read the little the goofs and the continuity errors. Like you know, I'm not going to not going to go too far into this movie, but uh, into the the next movie that I'm going to do, but. I'm doing um, uh, Hellraiser Part Two, mm-hmm. and in that, in one of the scenes, the skinless Julia is standing uh, in front of a mirror, looking at herself, and she's walked across a, um, a a white carpet with no blood stains from her feet. Skinless Julia. Yeah, she's don't she's, eat one. Yeah, now if she's completely skinless, then you'd actually think that you'd actually walking you know, with all the blood. You'd actually be walking along the the carpet and making blood trails. But she doesn't show any. That that wouldn't be my first thought. No, that's my first thought. My my first thought would be if she has no skin, what's holding all of her entrails and organs and everything else inside of her body? Oh no, all this all the outside skin's gone. The inside of uh, like her muscles and stuff. I don't know. It's a hellraiser thing. You'd have to yeah. see to believe it. Anyway. No thanks. An evil presence is shown to be lurking within, unknown to the family. Unusual and paranormal activities occur such as unknown forces banging on the doors at nighttime when nobody is outside and an ugly demonic message painted on the walls of Janice's room. Now, we're going to stop on this one because, first of all, you've got the, the situation where there, it's middle, middle of the night and there is banging on the door like you would not believe. Now, my first thought was maybe someone is, I mean, I'm not going to say welcoming you to the house and to, to the neighbourhood because it's rather late at night. So there may be someone on the outside of the door really needing medical attention. Right. So, of course, Mr. Montelli runs down, Anthony runs downstairs and opens up the door and there is just banging on the door. And of course, he opens, yeah, he opens the door and there's nobody there. And he's like, ah, yep, yeah, okay, got me. Yep, yeah, thank Good work. Ha ha, very funny. And shuts the door. And of course, the, the mother um, is like, you know, come on, come back to bed, honey. He, he moves like three steps away from the door and the door starts banging again. Now, his idea of like, okay, I'm going to go down and get a shotgun now. So he comes back with a shotgun opens up the door and says, okay, I've got a 12-gauge shotgun with, you know, for anybody you know, that's going to be trespassing. Now, before that scene happens, 
um, we see the camera you know, slowly panning through the house and the entity is apparently passing past a, a crucifix that they've put on the on the wall and takes the, um, uh, what would you say? The tablecloth. Uh, it the grabs tablecloth. the tablecloth out of the dining room and throws it over the crucifix. Yeah. And, of course, then when all, all this is happening with the banging on the door, um, they look over and they see that, oh, my God, there's this you know tablecloth against the wall. So there are things that you start to think to yourself, maybe this is just not really a great idea to be, be enjoying at this stage. This house is starting to give us some ideas that we really shouldn't be here. But now the, the situation that I was talking about with the, the painting on the wall, now the, how old would you say the, the young kids are? Um, I would say the youngest son is maybe nine or 10 and the youngest daughter is probably between 10 and 12. Okay. So, oh no, no. Would she be that old? She was a year or two older than her brother. Okay. So, and, in- the, and then, and then the other one was like 15. Yeah. I think, I think the one that was portraying Dawn was supposed to be 16. Yeah. 15, 16. And then Sonny's supposed to be like 17, 18. Yeah. So, you know, in this scene where you see that they wake up in the, you know, at nighttime and they see these paint brushes are starting to paint by themselves on the wall and this demonic sort of like looking um, animal and it says, dishonor thy father. And it oh, says, I got trivia for you. Okay. And it says pigs on it. Now, other than the trivia that you're going to tell us, these kids are old enough to say what the fuck just happened. Okay. Yeah. Now the mother comes in because they because the windows are going up and down and there's a whole lot of stuff. So they run upstairs. Mum and dad runs up, run upstairs, go into the children's room, turn on the light, and they see this picture with dishonor written correctly in cursive, mind you. Um, thy thy father pigs, right? Now Anthony walks out and he's got the shotgun. So you think, oh wow, he's not gonna freak the hell out. So he walks out and puts the shotgun away or uh, you know in his bedroom. And the mother says, what happened? And what do the kids say? We don't know. No. They just started flying around. No, they didn't say that at all. They looked and the mother says, what happened here? And the, the, the daughter goes, brushes. Oh, that's and, right. And the son just like looks and paint, uh, looks at the thing and points. Now it's like, and, and agrees. And it's like. Well, and they're obviously two, terrified. Yeah. But you two idiots don't sit there and say paintbrushes. Just tell us what the hell happened. Say, we were in our room, we woke up, the paintbrushes started moving by themselves and then and windows are going up and down. Yeah, but have you ever been so scared that you can't talk? Yeah, when I saw my ex-wife at my wedding day. <laughs> Not funny. <laughs> no, um, I'm, no, I'm being serious. No, absolutely, absolutely. You know, you would see this, you would see it and you would actually have, you know, you would need time to process but, exactly yeah, what happened. But because- because like there were times when I was a kid that my brother would terrify me so harshly that I was not able to form words. Yeah, I understand that. So that I, would... I get them just being able to say brushes and point. Yeah, but it's like, and of course the mother goes, oh, brushes? Then of course, you know, the father comes back and you think to yourself, um, well, he's going to be relaxed about this. What, what uh, fun facts did you have on that one? Well, no, finish your thought because oh. you don't want to leave people hanging. Okay. So no, so he comes back and you think, oh, well, he's going to be quite relaxed about this. And then, of course, he takes his belt off. And, of course, the mother's like, no, 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 Anthony, you can't do this. You can't do that to the kids. And, of course, then he he hits 
you know, uh, he, he starts to beat his children, which is, this is why it's such, it's such a confronting movie. So he beats his children. And of course, the little boy runs away or the little girl runs away. And he's like, you know, um, you know, what about her? And she's like, and of course, the mother's like, you know, don't you touch her. And of course, then he goes, get out of my way. And, and basically hits the mother, knocks her down to the ground. So then he's following the, the daughter, the little girl, back into the, their bedroom to beat the shit out of her. Because this is when the mother sort of like gets up and goes, I'm going to kill you. And goes, in, goes into the bedroom. And, of course, this is where Anthony is standing there beating the shit out of his daughter. And he, she grabs a hold of his, uh, of, his, of, his, of his cheek and makes this huge scratch mark on his cheek. And then, of course, he turns around and starts to beat the mother. And, of course, this stage, then you've got the younger, the older daughter running from downstairs, from upstairs, saying, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. And, of course, then you see Sonny coming out of his bedroom. And, of course, what's the first thing he does? He sees this shotgun lying against the wall so he picks up the shotgun and walks directly into his mother and father's bedroom and puts the gun directly to his, his father's head and you know puts his finger into the trigger ready to pull the trigger and the father basically stops everything that he's doing is like oh holy holy shit and then the mother walks be between them like the jedi mind trick sort of situation <laughs> and grabs the shotgun and says what's happening to us and then in the next scene you see that uh, 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 we're not there yet okay trivia Okay. So going back about two scenes <laughs> to the kids' room, um, when the paintbrushes are coming up out of the cans, it's green and one green, one red. But when you see them afterwards, it's only it's two red. Wasn't it black and red? No, it was green and red. I thought the I thought no, the, it was the, green the, and red. I thought the, the picture that they painted. No, because because the 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 the, the, the wording... paint can the paint on the brushes coming out of the cans was green and red. But on the wall, it was painted black and red. And when you see the brushes after they finished painting, it's red and red. Oh my god! Can yeah, like I have... said, they really did not pay attention when they the made continuity errors. Yeah, and I can confirm for you that that picture that it painted was Jody the pig from the original Amityville. Yeah, I thought that when I first saw that movie because I knew that um, that's what Missy used to paint um, yeah. and draw pictures of, which was Missy. And when they, when Kathy asked her to paint a, to draw a picture of, of who the hell Jody was, it was a pig running in the snow. Yeah. So obviously we know then that that was a, that was a hark back to who the hell this thing is running around. You know, yep. we don't get to see in this movie. We don't get to see a demonic pig looking through the window at you, but obviously, yeah. Yeah, but it got itself painted. It painted itself on the wall. Well, if you want to be known, why the hell not? Yep. Okay, but, so he puts the gun to his dad's head. Yeah, no, so, Tom no, stops him. And yeah, but what I, was, what I was going to say is that the, in the next scene, now, I, I don't know, you know, you've just witnessed your, um, your husband beating the shit out of the children. Your older son is putting the gun to it. You, you know, you've scratched him like, I mean, there were some pretty deep scratch marks on Anthony's neck. Then, of course, Dolores walks in and hugs him, and he basically like looks at her and hugs her as well. It's like, this, this family is completely fucked up, really. I mean, it's so dysfunctional. Then, of course, we go back upstairs to where Sonny is sitting there listening to a Walkman that shouldn't even be existing. It doesn't exist yet. It didn't exist yet, and he's listening to the, to the Walkman. And then, of course, the, the cassette that he's listening to, yes, there is cassettes in this. So, you know, I know people don't know what cassettes are, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, that stops and you hear this demonic voice you know, in the um, thing saying, why didn't you pull the trigger? Why didn't you shoot that pig? And, I mean, if you're listening to, say, Led Zeppelin and suddenly that stops and you hear this demonic voice, um, yeah, 
I think there'd be something severely wrong with that central wave. I'd kind of stop. I'd kind of stop listening to the Walkman. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say so. So, concerned by the developments, Dolores tries to have the local Catholic priest, Father Frank Adomsky, bless the house. But an argument breaks out within the family shortly after Adomsky arrives. So, basically, what had happened was when she went to the to the um, church, she um, obviously it was a Sunday and said, "You know, could you come by and bless the house?" And uh, she introduces the family. This is this is you know my daughter, and he goes, "Oh, Mister um, Mister Montelli," and she goes, "My husband's a a good man, Father." No, he's not. He's not a good father, everybody. He's not a good husband, by the way. Um, but yeah, but that is a very common thing with people who are in abusive relationships. You try to convince other people that they're awesome, but yeah. they're not. Well, and you're still trying to convince yourself that it's okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I 100% agree on that one. So when he does come to the house, of course, Anthony um, pulls Dolores aside, uh, basically aside and goes, I didn't go to church and you bring it here. And she goes, yes, he's going to bless our house. And he goes, what? And she goes, listen, please, please make nice. Please go and you know, be nice to the priest. So he goes into the living room and, and grabs, um, you know, some cigars and offers, offers one to the priest who says, look, you know, no, thank you. And he goes, you know, do you mind if I do? And he goes, no, not at all. And, uh, of course, the, the younger children are in the, the living room at this stage. And the father says, just, you know, ask the priest if he wants anything. And, of course, the father, Adomsky, goes, oh, a glass of water would be very nice. And then, of course, the kids go, I'll get it, I'll get it. So they run into the to the kitchen. Now, this scene is rather disturbing because the little boy who's getting the glass of water, the, the sister throws a plastic bag over the kid's head and goes, you're dead, you're dead. And she, and he's like, you're scaring me. Of course, uh, yeah, of course be you're being scared. You know, bitch. You don't throw a paper bag, a plastic bag over your bloody brother's head, you moron. Yeah. But, of course, you know, um, she says, oh, it's okay. I love you. You can get the water. And then, of course, you know, mum brings, uh, Dolores brings um, Sonny downstairs to say, oh, this is our, this is our oldest? Yeah, our oldest, um, Sonny. He hasn't been feeling very well lately. And, of course, he extends his hand out to Sonny, who then, when they put their clasp hands together, the entire kitchen falls apart. Yeah. And like, nobody seems to notice. What the, the place falls apart? Yeah. Well, they, of course they notice because all this, the the noise coming from the kitchen. I mean, the whole place absolutely falls apart. The the, the oh yeah, um, that's right. And the dad's like, "What the hell are you kids doing in here? This isn't a game." Yeah, this isn't a play area. And of course, you know, of course, when the whole thing is falling apart and the fridge is falling apart and the things are falling off the wall and things are flying everywhere, the poor kids are holding onto each other, terrified. And the father runs in. Of course, he doesn't sit there and go, "Oh my god!" He goes, "Oh bloody hell! What the bloody hell's going on here?" And he goes, what do you think this is, a playroom? And, of course, the, the priest has followed because he obviously wants to know what's going on. And he goes, she goes, of course, he says to his daughter, you know, what happened? And she goes, oh, I don't know. And, of course, he then hits the, the he hits the poor little girl across the face. Yeah. And then, of course, the father, the, the, the priest goes, don't you hit that child? And he goes, I, I raised my child the way I see fit. You know, you just basically do what you got to do and go. And then, of course, this is when, you know, the, the father basically, you know, he basically says, you know, you just, Piss off and you know, do what you got to do and then get out. This is when Adomsky, Father Adomsky goes, um, look, you know, no, don't worry about it. I'm not going to be doing this right now. And uh, poor, poor Dolores is basically, you know, she is so embarrassed about this. And and quite rightly so. The, you know, you, you, your husband, who you know is a dickhead, is basically smacking around the kids in front of somebody else. I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's, like, it's not okay to have family violence at any situation, but you're doing it in front of, 
people that don't know any better. You yeah. know, I mean, there's the priest trying to control what's going on. And it's like, yeah, you know. But, of course, you know, he leaves. And, of course, Sonny's standing there. Now, I don't, Sonny was not possessed at this stage, was he? He was actually, he was just acting really, really weird. He was being affected, but he wasn't possessed yet. Yeah, he was just acting very, very weirdly. And, of course, when the priest goes to leave the house, there's Sonny standing there with the door open, as if to say, entre vous, off you go. So, of course, Father Adomsky gets out of the house and walks towards his car, who finds that the car door is open, and his Bible is not only ripped into shreds, but it's millions of shreds of paper. So whatever it was inside the house has gotten into the car and has absolutely ripped the hell out of the, out of the, the, the Bible. So we know that right now this is something severely going on with his family. Now, as I said, we don't know whether this actually happened in the Amityville house. I don't even know how they even got this story out of the out of this movie, but we're just going to follow it. Do you have any fun facts in that one? Nope. Oh. Uh, I, I have a fun fact for when he actually does come back and do the blessing. Oh, okay. Yes, okay, well, that's, that's fine. So um, the situation inside the home continues to deteriorate. Anthony is shown to be strict, abusive, sacrilegious towards the Catholic faith, violence, violent towards his family and forcing his wife to have sex with him against her will. Yep. Because she does say that she does, she says it's a sin and he goes, what's a sin? And she says everything, you know, and he, and he goes, no, you got you tell me now. I don't know whether this is the anal rape scene that there was actually that. I mean, there's a fun which, which, which was ultimately cut from the film. Yeah. Well, tell us about that one. Um, what was cut from the film that, that we, that I, I've, I've heard about. Yeah, there's been, um, let me just find my, my thing. Um, okay, so there, there, when the original cut was shown to test audiences, several scenes had to be cut out, and that was for various reasons. One of them, the negative reaction of the audience on the scene where Anthony anally rapes Dolores and the scene where Sonny and Patricia have incestuous sex. That was hinted at in the final version, but never actually shown. Um, the scene was added into the script by Damiani, who wanted to really upset the viewers. The original scene was a lot more graphic and sexual, while in the movie it cuts to the next scene right after Sonny starts kissing Patricia, which was fairly violent in, in and of itself. Yeah. Um, some other deleted scenes were shown on lobby cards and stills for the movie, like the scene where Anthony is sitting outside the house drinking and cleaning the gun, and the scene where Jan is pushing Mark's head under the water while he's in the bathtub. The theatrical trailer also shows a shot of Jan and Mark looking at the window and holding hands. Only the, the only deleted scene which was ever released in some form is the so-called lost souls scene where souls that are within the house appear in front of Father Adamski during the end of the movie and he blesses them. No actual footage was released, but the UK special collector's edition DVD includes several stills that were deleted from this deleted scene. Oh, really? I wouldn't yeah. mind getting my hand on that one. Yeah, that would be a collector's item. So, of course, what happens is Dolores says to Anthony, listen, you know, we are going to go to the to you know to the priest and we're going to go and apologize or else. And, of course, he's got that, yeah, or else, or else what? And she says, or else I'm going to leave this house tonight and not come back. And he's like, oh, for Christ's sake, Dolores. So, of course, you get to see them leaving now. It seems to me that they were leaving like later in the evening and got back at midnight. You know, yeah. it was really late at night, but obviously, you know, but, uh, you know, when they get back to the house, um, well, actually, no, when they do leave the house, um, Sonny stays at home claiming to feel unwell. He soon hears an alarming noise and goes downstairs to get his father's gun. 
He hears demonic laughter and follows it to the tunnel in the basement. The unseen presence pursues and frightens Sonny to his room, and he then falls victim to a a, a demonic possession. I got a trivia on you. For Go you. for it. Okay, so at this point, when Sonny is being chased by something unseen, the camera rises above him, and someone from the crew can be seen standing behind the wall in the bottom left corner. No way. Yeah. God damn it. I'm not going to, I mean, I'm going to watch this movie and see it if I can see it, but that's really, that's upsetting when the, things like that happen. Yeah. But I, d- I do have a really cool one for when Father Adamski's blessing Dolores's room. That there's a very cool trivia for that point. Okay. Well, we can actually go back to that one because we, I skipped over that a little bit. Um, Dolores tries to keep things together for the, for the youngest children. Also, Sunny. Hang, hang on, hon. Can you hear me? Yes, again. Because I can barely hear you. All of a sudden, you, your mic started cutting out. I can hear you. Talk again. No, I can't hear you. Now I can't hear you. Now you're back. Okay. Your your microphone was said to be muted. Yeah, I accidentally clicked mute. Okay, we're back. Never mind. So okay. there's going to be that nice long pause so you know where that part is to edit it out. All right. We'll have to do that one. Let's try and keep that one. Okay, you can still hear me okay? Yeah, yes, I can. Okay. Um, it wasn't the windscreen. There was just something weird with the mic. Oh, okay. Um yeah, so the, so, the, so basically when, um, now I don't know whether it's it's been said that at some stage, that, you know, Anthony decides, okay, well, I, mean, I don't know whether this actually happened before they went back to the church, whether he had apologised and then, oh, yes, it was. That's right, it was. Yes, that's, that, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to work out which scene this was. So they go to the church, they end up by um, getting, you know, apologising. And then, of course, Sonny is possessed by this this demon. So then um, Sonny then approaches Patricia to play a game with him. They pretend he is a famous photographer. Hold, hold, hold on. Before you go there, we were going to go back to the blessing of Dolores's room. No, this is coming. Oh, okay. Yeah, because this... I have another trivia about this scene as well. Yeah, no, this is coming. So uh, they pretend to be a photographer. Patricia agrees to pose naked, and the pair end up having incestuous sex. Um, now the whole thing is like you know if, if she's saying okay well if, if he's saying it's it's because I'm possessed I mean she seemed to be quite into it I mean she was she seemed to be okay with this yeah so she... then the so then the next scene we see is that Father Adomsky has come back to the house and he's going around the house blessing you okay know, now but, but before we leave the photographer scene yeah um there's a, an, an interesting thing that happened which was it, it was really unfortunate. That Diane Franklin, um, who who played the the sister, what was her name? Uh, Patricia. Patricia is uh, an actress by the name of Diane Franklin, and this was only her second film. Her first film was The Last American Virgin, also released in 1982, just before this one, and she was topless in both films. 
Then she appeared topless again in her third film, Second Time Lucky, in 1984. Then she admitted in an interview that her willingness to take her clothes off helped kickstart her career. It also affected it negatively. It turns out after these three films, she was only getting offers for roles that involved her being topless or even full nudity. She didn't want to be known as the actress that loves showing her boobs to the world. So after the second time lucky, she told her agent she won't take any more roles involving nudity. And then she turned down tons of film work and the, because they all wanted her to strip naked and ended up pretty much doing just mostly TV after that for the rest of her career. Yeah, that's a shame because, I mean, as I said, they do in the movie The Amityville Murders, um, she does come back as the mother, but obviously mm-hmm. there is no nudity in that scene in any part of the movie anyway, you know. Yeah. So it, it is actually a shame that she could actually, she something that she thought was going to help her career hindered it as well, which is, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, she's not the greatest, I mean, okay, it's a second second movie, so you got to understand that she's not a seasoned actress, but she really yeah. wasn't, um, as far as I'm concerned, she really wasn't a great actress no. anyway. You know, so if she just stayed on TV, that's fine. So now we go, we get to the scene where uh, Father Adomsky is going to go and bless the house. And he's going around the different rooms. And, of course, he, go, he goes to, um, he's going through the house. Of course, she says, the Dolores says to her, says to him, well, can you go upstairs and bless my son's room? He hasn't been very interested in, in basically seeing us lately. And so he goes up to his, his, you know, the son's room, and of course he's he's standing there, and he says to the, and of course the door's open, and Sonny's standing looking at him, and he goes, uh, you know, uh, hello, Sonny, and then of course then the door just slams shut. Now you could say yes, it's a quick gust of wind, or you could say get the hell out of the house because <laughs> there's something really wrong. He goes into the to the son's bedroom, and of course the son's sort of like you know hiding around the corner, and he goes, and the, the priest goes uh, to him. Why are you hiding in here? I'm not hiding. It's just I just want to be left alone. This is my room. I just want to be left alone. And uh, Father Domsky says, oh, well, your mother wanted me to come and bless the house. And he goes, well, go bless my mother's room. And, uh, of course, then, you know, the father walks downstairs after this confrontation with Sonny and um, basically he's, he's looking upstairs as if to say, there is something really off with that kid. I don't think it's just that he wants to be left alone. Something is just not quite right. So then he, he goes to Dolores and, of course, Dolores says, oh, can you bless my room as well? Oh, and can you bless the bed? So you kind of think that, well, a blessing in the room is going to be okay. You don't necessarily have to bless the bed as well. But as we know, Dolores is being coerced and basically against her will to have sex with Anthony. And obviously a, an anal rape scene has been deleted from the movie, so we don't know What's going on? We just know that Dolores doesn't want to have sex with her husband at all. I wouldn't blame her because how are you supposed to be romantic on somebody that is beating the shit out of your entire family and is basically terrifying? Was there anything in that in that scene that you had as a yes, fun Yes, I've fact? been waiting for the opportunity to share this with you. Okay, off you go. When Father Adamski is blessing Dolores's room, she asks him to bless her bed as well. As he prepares to bless it, this is probably the coolest trivia that I have for this movie, by the way. Okay. As he prepares to bless it, Dolores screams when she sees blood on the floor. As she's screaming, an extremely quick and dimly lit shot appears of a man standing over a woman heading down a flight of stairs. The woman has her head turned as if to look at him and her hair is streaming behind her like there's either a strong wind or she's turning her head really quickly. And this scene has to be watched frame by frame in order to spot it. 
So are they saying this is a deleted scene or something? No, it's not a deleted scene. Okay. Do you remember um, in Psycho when um, it's the scene where he, um, I think it was actually the shower scene where he was um, taking the knife to Janet Lee. Yeah. And people were absolutely horribly terrified by this and they couldn't figure out why it was that scary. Yeah. And it was because every fifth frame Hitchcock inserted a skull, an image of a skull. And it was just there for one frame and it, and, and it was every fifth frame. So your brain perceived it, but your eye couldn't see it. Okay. It's the exact same thing that they have done with this scene. So that, are they saying that, that Demiani inserted something in the movie similar to Hitch, Hitchcock? All a Hitchcock, yes. So, so there it, it's it's only in probably maybe two or three frames. So it happens so fast that you don't. Again, your brain sees it, but your eye, your brain perceives it, but the eye doesn't see it. And you have to slow it down and watch it frame by frame in order to see the image. Really? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be watching this to see this. I want ask, to see th- ask, ask Xander about it. He would uh, he would get it because he's studying filmmaker. Damn, I, I have to watch that. I have to watch this again. Yeah. So, so, so okay, so obviously what happens is that they, you know, there's, there's blood all over the place. The, the priest goes into the ensuite bathroom to try and get rid of all the blood that's all over himself and everything. And, of course, then he, he looks at himself and he's like, okay, there's no blood there. And out of the sprinkler that he has to bless, there's no blood there. There's just holy water. And then, of course, the next shot, you see Sonny laying on his bed, giggling and laughing. So obviously we know at this stage that um, Sonny has done something because he is now demonically possessed. Now, when we go back to the demonic possession, what do you think of the um, special effects as far as his transformation scene? Because this is the this is a rather interesting transformation scene that we have. I was not impressed. Really? I, I, I honestly... Okay. I I personally believe that with films like this, the more that's left to the imagination, because you, honestly, film cannot create anything as horrifying as your brain can come up with for you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that, which is, is you know, and, and it's the same reason why I'm not fans of sophomoric comedy movies that feel like they have to beat you over the head and say, hey, laugh, this is funny now. Yeah. You know, I pref- I prefer subtlety in my films. And I felt that his transformation and his possession was really over the top and and it was they look he's being possessed and transformed into a monster. And yeah. I felt like it was really beating me over the head with it and slapping me in the face with it and it's like okay, I'm not an idiot. I get it. Yeah. So, yeah, I was not impressed. But I mean, the transformation scene that we're talking about is it's really, you know, it gets to a point where he's, he's chased through the house and you can't see what he's being chased by. Oh, I got, oh, I'm sorry. I got one more there. Oh, okay. um, so yeah, th- yeah, this might be where he, where um, you can see the guy, the camera guy. Um, but he's being all- chased by the, by the thing and it comes up through the floor. Yeah. But when he, and, and at one point he flies across the room uh yeah he's pushed against the, the he pushed under his bed yeah when he flies across the room if you look closely you can see the string on his back 
Ah, God damn it. <laughs> but he's, he's chased through the house and he's trying to find, and he's got, of course, he runs down into the basement to get a gun, smart move, and he's shooting at absolutely nothing and we can't see it. I mean, all we're seeing is Sonny backing back from whatever is following him and he's, he's trying to see what it is. I mean, you can see, but we can't. We're just looking as first-person cameramen. Um, but he gets basically thrown back onto his bed with the with the help of a of a, a rope or as a what, what did you say it was a string a string yeah string. and then of course the transformation scene is that you know he's basically being um, possessed and a lot of these the stomach scene that you actually get to see his ribs and everything is very very effective and then of course he's got yeah the, that was actually a pretty cool special effect that was good and the bulging of the head when he's yeah. actually, his brain is bulging. But then at some stage, he turns around and looks towards us and he screams and the entire house starts falling apart. I mean, we've got doors and windows opening and shutting. We've got the master bedroom doing, you know, 360s in the in the living room, in the bedroom. The living room's falling apart. We've got the furnace exploding. We've got the water going all over the place. And then there's like a massive explosion in the house where the windows are and then a, a, a huge wind and it all is completely fine. And this is why we come back to the situation where, when um you know when Patricia and the family get home and he walks into his sister's room and she says oh you know you look awful you know and uh, basically finds out what had actually happened when they went and uh, approached the, the priest. Oh so hey, do do you want a trivia about the explosion? Yeah, go for it. The explosion sequence at the end of the movie was a real special effects explosion utilizing a particular type of highly flammable chemical which explodes flames that burn out immediately. However, the special effects explosion didn't exactly go quite as planned and burnt one side of the house. Uh, of course. <laughs> and this, this poor house has been basically destroyed and fallen apart. I mean, I was saying in one of my previous podcasts, Amityville 3, that um, the actual house is leveled. I mean, absolutely leveled. I, was gonna, I can't believe anybody still wants to live there after all of this. I know. I mean, people do still live there, but I mean, I don't know whether you, I mean, there's been no you know, ideas of things that are going on in that house, which makes you wonder exactly whether the original story was actually true or not yeah so Sonny becomes more uh, sinister and demonic and his face starts contorting demonically um yeah he tries to keep his family away but unsuccessful due to the demonic influence on Sonny's birthday he isolates himself from his birthday party calls patricia and she goes to check on him now i've always tried to wonder whether it was doing he was doing like the jedi mind trick of whether he could actually telepathically speak to his sister to come upstairs to have sex with him yeah she goes up and she's like you know um she's like oh i heard you calling me and he goes i i I don't feel like it anymore and that's when she you know you can see one side of his face is starting to uh i don't know transform a little bit because he's got this this transformation thing going on in his hand of course the, the mother has got this idea that something is going on with these two something just doesn't seem quite right and um so she basically said, you know, I don't ever want to speak. Don't ever speak to me again and runs downstairs. Of course, this is when the, the now actually, no, let's back back a little bit. The, the reason that his mother fi- works out that something's going on between these two is that when they give him his birthday presents, the daughter says, oh, here's a, here's a sweater for you. He puts it over his shoulder and he hugs his sister, but he's running his hands all over her ass and her back. Yeah. Uh, that's son, not normal. Sisters and brothers don't do that unless you're really sick. At least my brother didn't, thank God. And I didn't do that to my sister, so I'm not that way inclined. So this is where the mother, and the mother sees this and goes, uh-huh, something is not quite right, you know? So, of course, when she comes downstairs from, from Sonny's bedroom, 
And the mother confronts her and goes, what have you done? And then she goes, nothing. And of course, then she she gets a slap across the face and goes, do you know what you've done? So it's basically almost like you heartless, you know, you heartless bitch. You're the one that's actually <laughs> turning this family into some sort of depraved situation that's going on around here. But, you know, you just don't understand what's going on between, you know, Sonny's like, you know, get out of here, you damn bitch. And this is the whole thing that this is where it's like, okay, Sonny is transforming. But it's it's almost like, okay, the daughter was having sex with the son and she is okay with it. She's like, do you feel guilty about it? I certainly don't. And well, she, like, oh, I enjoyed it. But she did end up going and talking to the father in confession. Yeah, but she said, I, I went all the way with my friend, which yeah. is fine. Um but of course, then the priest looks out from the confessional and sees who the hell it is. So it's almost like, I don't well, think they're, they're not supposed to do that. They well, okay. There's actually a trivia point about that because at one point he talks to her about this. I think it's when he's back at the house and they're in the living room and, and he mentioned to her something about her confession. Oh, um, that was in his office. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. And it says when father Adamski tells Patricia Montelli about her behavior at the confessional, this is a breach of the seal of the confession, even though they're alone. Even if a confession is face to face, priests are prohibited from speaking about a person's confession outside of the sacrament of reconciliation, even if it's to the same person. Yeah. So this is the whole thing is like when she runs out of the confessional, because he says, you know, um, you must resist, resist the temptation. Now tell me all about it from the beginning. And she goes, no. And she runs out of the confessional. He looks out from where the, where, she, where he's sitting. He, he sees her. Yeah. You're not supposed to do that. No. This is why, you know, murderers and people like that um, go to priests to, you know, basically confess. And it's like priests don't, don't turn them into the police. They try to convince them to turn themselves in. Yeah. But there is privilege because you can't go to a priest and say, you know, such and such, and they go to the police and say, oh, you know that he said this and he said that? It's it's under the, the it's the same way as like the the confidentiality that you've got with your own lawyer. You can't yeah. be implemented with your own lawyer. Yep. You know, so this whole thing is is, is going on. So now, obviously, you know, the mum knows that something is going on between Sonny and Patricia, and it is confronting. So Patricia runs away crying, um, and then she goes to uh, the Adomsky's, um, you know, uh, root of, uh, office and he wants she wants to say that she thinks that something is not quite right with Sonny but of course he gets a phone call so it's like oh shit you almost said it because he's like she's like a father Adamski I want to tell you about Sonny and of course he's more concerned about uh, another parishioner that's dying of cancer so Mm -hmm. or dying of a stroke so you you don't get her to actually tell the priest that I think Sonny is possessed something is going on you know Right. We, we know something's going to happen you know, with this situation. Um, so, of course, later that night, the evil spirit tells Sonny, when it says, you know, to kill them all, it says, you must do it. You must do it now. So Sonny goes into his full transformation. But wait a minute. Are, did we skip the exorcism? We haven't got to the exorcism oh, yet. Okay. No. So this is where the story takes an amazing left-hand turn into... It's not believable. It didn't happen. It it never happened. So from this time onwards in this podcast, you just listen listening to it as it's fiction. It was a nonfiction. It's it's non-fiction. it's, it's a artistic license that they took um, yeah. and a complete deviation from the because source story. This never ever happened. Okay. Yeah. So in this movie, Sonny goes and gets his father's rifle and shoots his parents, 
Jan, Mark, and Patricia after hunting them down. Uh, DeFeo did not do that. Every member of the family was laying face down in their bed. The only person that was shot in the head was his mother, and it was all at 3.15. And the only reason... And, and, And even she was still in bed, wasn't she? Everyone was in bed. Yeah. Every single person was in bed. Now, this transformation scene... Um, and you even said that you were concerned that, that he had went into a room that he shot um, into thin air. The situation was in, in the last part of this movie is that he's Patricia's in bed and there's thunder and lightning going on in the house. And of course, she gets out of the bedroom, out of her bedroom, and goes to her mother and father's room and of course tries to open the door and, and it's locked. And she overhears the father saying, what it, why don't you want to do it anymore? And she says, it's a sin. And he, and he says, what's a sin? And she said, the whole family, I just don't want to wake up anymore. And so she tries to get into the room and looks up at the top of the stairs. And there you see Sonny in full transformation, holding a shotgun. He then walks down the stairs around the corner. And of course, there's two entrances into the bedroom. There's the main door and there's the secondary door coming through the bathroom. He walks in through the bathroom. His father is standing there in this movie, um, having an alcoholic beverage of some sort, and he's shot in the back. You then see the mother open the bedroom door and was walking backwards away from his son, her son, and she shot in the stomach. You then see the door open up across from them, and that's the that's Mark and Jan's room. Of course, Jan sees that his her mother is now laying on the floor dead, and at this stage, Patricia is still hiding, and then runs past her mother down the stairs because she's trying to get out of the house. Um, Mark walks away or tries to move out of the way of his brother. The brother is obviously, he's not seen at this stage. The older brother, Sonny, turns around and sees his sister, which is Jan, walks towards her and shoots her. Of course, Mark's watching this whole thing. Then you see, you follow Patricia downstairs. She's trying to open the door. She also sees that a phone has been absolutely destroyed. She tries to get out the door and you think, oh, my God, Patricia's going to make it. But every door and window has been nailed shut. So there's no, there's no exit whatsoever. She grabs a chair to try and break the window because the, the window doesn't break. It's unbreakable at this stage. You then see um, Mark is standing across the hallway from, from Patricia and Patricia's saying to him, quick, go hide, go hide, because then there's a lightning strike at, at the back of him and you see his brother standing there with a shotgun looking directly at him and shoots poor old Mark. Patricia then walk, runs into the room to see where Mark is, backs back and backs into Sonny, who then corners her on the stairs. And then all you see is Sonny run the shotgun down from her head down to her chest. And then you hear a, a rifle shot. And then, of course, the scene is that the the, the priest, Father Adomsky, has gone and uh, to on a vacation with his friend and wakes up out of this startling nightmare about the fact that he thinks that this whole thing has actually happened in, in real life. We do find out that this actually has happened. But, of course, this is where the movie takes an amazing left turn because none of this happened. The original situation that Ronald DeFeo had done is that he shot everyone face down in their bed, got dressed, went to work, came back to a bar at about 6 o'clock, was having drinks, then went to his house, apparently, came back to the bar and said, my entire family is being killed, and got four or five people to follow him back to the house, and that's the way it all, that it, it all transpired. No one was chased around the house. Everyone was laying in their bed. Uh, the only person that was shot in the head 
was unfortunately the mother. I don't know why he targeted the mother shooting her in the head and no one else. So this is where the movie really takes an amazing left turn where it, it's unbelievable at this stage. It's, this is why it's a bit unfortunate that of all the years that I've watched this movie, I've really enjoyed it up until the time where doing it for this podcast, I've actually sat there and watched it and really analysed it and have gone, there's something really quite wrong about this. Do you have any fun facts with this one? It's not a fun fact, but it but it is an error. Um, and, and it's for later when Father Adamski's doing the exorcism on Sonny. Yeah. Um, he's actually just randomly yelling out proclamations and prayers. There's a whole rite of exorcism specific to the exorcism for a person. And at least two priests must be present as exorcisms are incredibly dangerous and taxing. That's why there must be permission from the bishop who authorizes an actual exorcist specifically trained for such a task. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go too much further into this movie because it does, as I said, it takes a left turn where yeah, it just, yeah. And, just... And, and, and it's like, we've talked about it that I personally think it would have been okay. So I get that horror movies the genre of the time in the early 80s it was you know and you've got like halloween and stuff where people are being chased and it's scary yeah okay and 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 i get that that was the way that films were made at the time but i still maintain that it would have been far more chilling and horrific if they had taken and put the camera um basically just behind the shoulder of sunny so that you see like the side of his head, the top of his shoulder and the gun. And you just follow him around and you and everyone is sound asleep and he kills them in their sleep. I still maintain that that would have been far more horrific than what they did. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the last part of this movie is it becomes that the, they're trying to convince that there's you know, demonic possession here. You know, Sonny's down in the in the. Um, uh, in the jail cell, Father Adomsky is standing there now. He's already pre- uh, approached um, the bishop. And the bishop has said, "Look, you know, we're going to take our time about this." That was another thing that was actually um, omitted from the movie that you actually get to see him ask for an exorcism, right. and the, and the priest and the, the bishop says, "We're going to take our time. Uh, we'll get back to you on this," and basically leave. Now he goes. The priest goes to see Sonny, um, and of course, it's just not working. He's showing photographs of his family and and you know throwing holy water on him and it just doesn't seem to be working so the main police officer um you know comes down comes down to the jail cell and says listen you've got five more minutes with the boy and that's it then of course there's this huge gust of wind and there's sunny sitting there in sort of like this demonic sort of like you know pose saying you know oh you know you're, you're deciding to go uh, go against the church you're going you're doing this without the authorization of the of the church yeah, and uh, that's when he goes, you know, well, I, I'm going to drive you out. And he goes, oh, well, how? And he goes with an exorcism. And he goes, yeah, you can't do that. You're not authorized. And of course, this is when you know the whole scene ends. So then, when he is, you know, being transported from the hospital, from the jail cell to the court, Sonny passes out. Of course, then he's he's hospitalized. And this is when, and he's trying to he's trying to do this whole thing. And he says to the main police officer who's looking after him, listen, this is just not working. I need to get him to the church. That's the only way that it's going to happen. So he does, and there's another scene that was um, part of the movie that was omitted. Unfortunately, I don't know why they omitted these these parts of the movie. 
But um, you see him um, take the butt of the police officer's gun, and the police officer actually says, "I, you know, before I change my mind, do it. You know, hit me on the back of the head, knock me out, then you can take the kid." So he does do that. Oh right, yeah. Tries to get into the church, and then of course you see this massive special effect where you know Sonny basically has the two-handed you know hit again uh, at the back of Father Adomsky, knocks him down, and then of course Father Adomsky jumps up to try and get him. And this massive wall of flames between him and, and Sonny happen. And then Sonny disappears. Now, of course, then Father Adomsky runs, you know, goes to the house. The house is falling apart. There's no furniture. There's no nothing. There's cobwebs everywhere. It's almost like there's a thunderstorm inside the house. He then goes upstairs, um, you know, to find where, where Sonny is. And this demonic, you know, thing jumps out from the rafters and starts beating the shit out of Father Adomsky. Um, and then, of course, the whole situation ends where, as he's being basically broken apart, Father Adomsky says, you know, take me, you know, leave him, take me. Then right. you see the resurrection, as they, as it looks like, of Sonny, you know, resurrecting from you know, the whole situation. Father Adomsky's priest friend comes and he says, Father Adomsky says, you know, get him out of here. They go downstairs and, of course, you know, there's, the police waiting and, and the, the other priest is like, come on, Sonny, we'll make them understand. No, you won't. You're not going to make them understand that you murdered your entire family because you were possessed by, possessed by a demon. You're going to prison for a long time. Yeah. If the camera then sweeps back up through the house, around the corner, back into where Sonny was, and then you see the same bubbling skin sensation on the priest's arm. And, of course, he's sitting there saying, you know, to, the, to, the, to God, you know, don't forsake me. Please, you know, you know save me, you know. Um, then the camera then pans back to the house that says there's the house is back up for sale again. Then that is supposedly end, ends into the beginning of the Amityville Horror. As I said, this movie doesn't give itself, it just doesn't seem correct because it, it's just, it's, it's not following the same guidelines as what we, we thought it was going to be. No. And it's unfortunate because the movie is a good movie if you look at it from the point, point of view of, Really, if you're going to look at it realistically and go, oh, this movie is is you know um, correct, it's not. It's yeah. so it's so not correct. But look, I mean, I, I we watched the movie. I I'm doing the podcast for the movie. So yeah, so that that movie, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, not too bad. And look, at, as far as ratings go, from zero to five movie rules, zero being how do I get the last two hours of my life back, to five being it was a perfect movie and I'd watch it all over again. What would you give that one? Mm, maybe one and a half to two if i'm generous yeah i'm right there with you i'm going to give it a solid two out of five it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination but it's something that you can sit there and go oh well for 112 minutes eh, it was okay (laughs) it was okay when i had nothing better to do and a headache and i didn't feel like concentrating on anything yeah that works yeah so look so thank you so much for visiting us again at the uh, home class movie chat I'm sorry it's been such a long amount of time between drinks, but we are just so busy at the moment. We are trying to get ahead of all our um, episodes. So, look, you know, I'm, we're trying our best. <laughs> we're we're doing our best. We promise we will start posting more. Yeah, stick with us. So, as I do every single week, I always, uh, at the end of every podcast, I like to just hand it over to you for the final word. So, I'm saying that I'm going to hand it over to you. So, don't forget your drink and your popcorn, and we'll see you at the movies.